the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Friday, December 9th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson, and our phone number is 602-508-0960. Open lines Friday. Anything on your mind? Got a few great guests coming on. Uh, maybe uh, do a ticket giveaway. Not maybe. We will do a ticket giveaway uh, with an interesting take on that in a few moments. From the Walker-Percy file, I hate to find tedious what gives everyone else so much general satisfaction, but I find it tedious. I'm speaking of the Kirsten Cinema announcement that she is leaving the Democratic Party to become an independent. You can't turn on the news or a show without it being the story of the hour, day, and I'm sure weekend or at least Sunday news shows. And I lost count after about... 10 this morning of seeing self-aggrandizing pundits saying things like, well, I predicted it here, or who saw this coming? Me, pointing to some tweet or statement on an interview from six months ago, three months ago, a year ago that they made as if we're to reward the observations of the obvious that probably half the country that knows Kirsten Sinema's name also predicted at some point in the past few years or months. The story received three, count them, three stories and an op-ed online at Arizona Central, AZ Central, the Arizona Republic's website. The op-ed, written by Senator Cinema. Before I get to her op-ed, it is worth saying the much bigger story of Twitter being revealed to literally shadow ban, which is to say ban and censor alternative views politically and on COVID mitigation from the likes of Jay Bhattacharya and others, will be shunted aside for this sensationalism over cinema. So when people say about all the harms of COVID mitigation they now see in plain light and tell us, well, we didn't know back then, you can thank the 25-year-old geniuses at Twitter who thought they knew more than the MD, PhD, Dr. Bhattacharya, who, along with many, many others also banned, told them again and again, or tried to tell them again and again, that what they were doing was dangerous, playing with fire, and would have dire consequences for everything except stopping COVID. That Elon Musk is today saying conservative candidates for office were also shadow banned will make no news. And dead-ender lefties who play us for fools will continue saying what Twitter is accused of. It's not actually censoring or banning, just as well as they will tell us as they continue to tell us that critical race theory is not taught in elementary and secondary schools in America. You just paste a different name or label on it. Oh, call the curriculum equity multiculturalism or some other pedagogic invention, and it sure as hell is being taught in elementary and secondary schools. You can call a dog a horse if you want, but it doesn't make it a horse. Just as the denials of everything we care about are discounted via Orwellian doublespeak. Speech is violence. Violence is mostly peaceful. Peacefully and patriotically marching is insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. 
keeping hands off a body is having clinicians operate in your body. Wanting those hands off the body is putting hands on it. Colorblindness is racism. Discrimination is anti-racism. Voter suppression means more voters voting. And build back better means higher gas prices for your car and food shortages for your babies and tampon shortages for women or menstruating men. Or my favorite line in Senator Sinema's op-ed, Healthcare decisions should be between the patient and the doctor. Okay, that worked out so well as an ethos of the liberal left from 2022 and through this year when it came to COVID, didn't it? And as California has just passed a law that bans doctors from telling their patients what they think is more true and scientific and medical if it doesn't fit the CDC narrative and guidelines, and it'll put their licenses at risk. When liberal lefties talk about those health care decisions being between patient and doctor, they're only talking about one thing. Not all health care decisions between patient and doctor, and certainly not when it comes to things having to do with COVID. Cinema's op-ed itself is pablum, about what you'd expect from an eighth grader running for class president. The word partisan or partisanship appears nearly a dozen times, as you would expect, The word independence, nearly the same. The whole theme of the op-ed is along the lines of the country belongs to the people, not a party, blah, blah, blah. This from the independent mind and senator that votes 93% of the time with the Democratic caucus and Joe Biden. The independent mind that has a 100% rating with the National Abortion Rights Action League. This from the independent mind that has a 100% rating from Planned Parenthood. This from the independent mind that has a 100% rating with the ACLU. This from the independent mind that has a 100% rating from the National Education Association. Scott Johnson has it exactly right and is maybe the only other adult on this when he writes as he does today, quote, Cinema joins the Senate's two other alleged independents, socialist Bernie Sanders and alleged independent Angus King. They are independents in name only. Let's call them Inos. I believe I believe that Senator Sinema counts several of her Republican colleagues and friends as friends and confidants. The most that can be said at the moment is that it's just simply not great news for the Democrats that she vocally and verbally left the party. To the extent that her independence fits the model of Sanders or King, it will make no difference. To the extent that it doesn't, It might. As I say, however, I will go with the former rather than the latter until we see anything further. It is amazing how this story will take out the Twitter shadow banning, isn't it? The most important of things political will be swept aside to talk about the most mundane and banal of them. Speaking of mundane and banal, back to cinema's op-ed today, we get things like the country is a lot more united than people think. And we shouldn't be pursuing more extreme party line policies. That's all in quotes. You knew the word extreme would have to make an appearance in our op-ed, didn't you? It actually does so nine times. Can we please once and for all be done with this extremism or extremist nonsense? When Joe Biden denounces rather than approves Senator Sinema being chased into a bathroom by the left... Or any Democrat denounces riots rather than raises funds for them and justifies them. 
or pretends they didn't teach the polity how to deny elections when they first did it to George W. Bush and then perfected it when it came to Donald Trump, or when they can find a single Democrat who will stand against late-term abortions or even utter a whiff of a sentence on a timeline in which they think the procedure becomes inappropriate, or when they denounce Louis Farrakhan, or when they say three, four, and five-year-olds shouldn't be encouraged to change their gender or hide such wishes from parents. At that point, at any one of those points, I'll start taking their talk about extremism a little more seriously. By the way, I'm not even sure the pejorative is apt. The word was, of course, weaponized against Republicans. The word extremist was weaponized against Republicans by other Republicans to rid the country of Barry Goldwater in 1964 and what you might call Goldwaterism, what he stood for in the years following, which is why he said the most memorable line in any political convention in history. Extremism and the defense of liberty is no vice and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. But all all we're told now is extremism rests in one party and it is always and everywhere bad while people with 100 percent NEA and NARAL ratings are considered moderates and everywhere and always good. Even in a movement that wants to vaccinate toddlers against a disease that will not affect them and teaches them that they should be ashamed of their race and can change their sex. Or puts Louis Farrakhan on a stage with Bill Clinton who hugs him while denouncing every Republican for being a white supremacist or calls Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. By the way, you know where the inspiration for that famous gold water line came from. It was from the brain and pen of Harry Jaffa, who got it from Martin Luther King in his letter from a Birmingham jail, which I gather is not taught very much anymore, likely because King spoke so highly of our founding and the import and worth of dates like 1776 and not 1619. Worth recalling what King said about the word extremist. Here's what he wrote. Martin Luther King did. Quote, Initially I was distressed for being called and labeled an extremist. But then I started to take satisfaction in being called it. Was not Jesus an extremist in love? When he said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you? Was not Amos an extremist for justice when he said, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream? Was not Paul an extremist for the gospel of Jesus Christ when he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord? Was not Martin Luther an extremist when he said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God? Was not John Bunyan an extremist when he said, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a mockery of my conscience? Was not Abraham Lincoln an extremist when he said this nation cannot survive half slave and half free was not thomas jefferson an extremist we hold these when he said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal so as martin luther king concluded the question is not ne- not whether we will be extremists but what kind of extremists will we be will we be will we be extremists for hate or will we be extremists for love Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice, or will we be extremists for the cause of justice? Anyway, a lot of you asked me via email this morning my take on the cinema leaving of uh, the cinema story where she's leaving the Democratic Party. 
I think it will signify mostly nothing but for two things. One, taking away the oxygen from the more important story that should have been everywhere today. And perhaps two, the potential conversation around the speculation that cinema may not even run for re-election in two years and what that may or may not open up. Something that may matter a year from now, in other words, but not certainly, I don't think, today. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, Turning Point USA is bringing America's biggest Freedom Party to Phoenix this December 17th. Runs through the 20th. It's going to be at the Phoenix Convention Center. America Fest 2022 will be featuring the biggest names in the conservative movement. Of course, Charlie Kirk, Kaylee McEnany, Laura Ingram, many, many others. There'll be nightly concerts featuring music legends Riley Green, Chase Rice, Ray Lynn, and more. Don't miss the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedoms in America. I have a good deal for you. It's going to be a little fun. If you call in and can stump me with a piece of political trivia, we will give you two free VIP tickets to America Fest 2022. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. Call in and stump me with a piece of political trivia. And we'll give you two VIP tickets, a pair. That package includes access, of course, to the entire general session, gives you VIP lounge access, gives you reserved seating area. And if you don't uh, win the tickets, don't worry. You can buy them online at amfest.com, amfest.com. And we have a special discount for 960 The Patriot listeners. Just use code PATRIOT. Use code PATRIOT when checking out at amfest.com, and you can get 50% off general admission tickets. But if you can stump me right now or at any time during the show, uh, after our, if, if no one else wins, if you stump me on a political question, a political trivia, uh, we will give you a pair of free VIP tickets to Amfest 2022. And we'll just uh, keep it going until uh, we get someone who stumps me. I have one pair to give away, so... Maybe a little bit fun on Fridays. I have one pair to give away. First person who stumps me gets them. Uh, should we do it? Are we are we already ready and primed? Yeah, we have. We all right. We have a taker. We'll give it a shot. Dave is in Phoenix. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm great, Seth. How are you doing? I'm fine. Now, I just so you know the rules here. I'm not looking. I'm not playing with a Google machine or anything else. You've got my entire attention to try and stump me on a political question and get two free tickets. Great. Who was the vice president under President James Knox Polk? Oh, geez, you win. You win. You win. You got it. I'm embarrassed, and you got it. You got it. You got it. Well done, sir. What is the answer? Uh, George Dallas. (laughs) Can we validate that? I guess I should verify that. Uh, (laughs) What made you know that? Uh, Because Dallas is a family name. Okay. Oh, 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 it's so, a fan. Oh, you're related to him. No, I'm not related, but it that is a name that uh, several of uh, the men in our family preceding me oh, had. Oh, no is, kidding. No kidding. Middle name. Well, God love you. Yeah. God, is there a George M. Dallas fan club somewhere that you're a member of or that you know of? 
<laughs> no, don't know anybody else who knows anything about that. Well, you 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 got my number, baby. You won. You got two free VIP tickets to America Fest 2022. Well earned. Well earned. I did not see something like that coming. I thought I'd get <laughs> what president famously chased a rabbit or, you know, what president famously played the saxophone or what president, uh, you know, uh, was never elected to the presidency or the vice presidency. But you got it. You did it. You got it. Okay. I hope it makes for a Actually, good weekend. I, I could ask you one that I think you know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to play the game uh, with, 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 yeah, for, 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 for nothing. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, what was President Eisenhower's real name? Dwight David? Was, that, was it not no, Dwight David? It was, it was David Dwight. Oh, David Dwight. But okay. Was, but because of, uh, I think it was his father who was also. Uh, David, they just called him Dwight, and so he just <laughs> How funny. switched it around. But his real given name was David. Are you an Eisenhower fan? Uh, we share a birthday. I'll tell you a funny story about Eisenhower that uh, uh, that his uh, his son, uh, also David Eisenhower, right? Um, mm-hmm. yes. His son was driving one night through uh, some to some event, some destination in Pennsylvania. And he pulled, you know the store, and he pulled over to get some rest at something like a Motel 6. It may not have been a Motel 6, but something like that, Roadway Inn, who knows. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was back in the days where you would sign a guest book or you would have the clerk behind the desk you know, sign you in in a guest book. And uh, she asked him his name, and he said, David Eisenhower. And she said, can you spell that? And he said, E-I-S-E-N-H-O-W-E-R. She goes, wait, wait, E-I-S-E, and can you do it again more slowly? And he repeated it, and they went through one more time, and she goes, oh, 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 like the highway. (laughs) Pretty good, right? Okay, yeah, it takes a minute, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I show you the times. I show you the times, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, God bless you. Huh? Love the show. Thank you're, you, David. You are so good, and I'm a huge fan. Oh, well, Appreciate you're very it. kind. You're very kind. Thank you very much. I'm going to put you back on hold so that uh, our team here can give you all you need for these uh, two free tickets that you deservedly well earned. Thank you very much. You betcha. I am Seth Liebson. 602-508-0960 is the number uh, for anything else you want to do. If you want to do more political trivia, we can do that, too. Uh, but we did give away our tickets, and I think I need to say that probably for contest uh, contest reasons. We're going to have a, uh election attorney joining us in a couple moments, uh, Eric Spencer, uh, one of the well-known att- uh, election attorneys uh, in, in, in the state and in the country, actually. He used to work for the Secretary of State. Um, he's going to talk to us about a few things that people do have questions about vis-a-vis Kirsten Cinema's possible or potential running uh, for re-election if she does decide to do that as an independent or as a non-affiliated member, what that looks like, what it takes. You know, there is the interesting game that people will play on this, too, which is— um, you know, how hard it is for perhaps an independent to win an election in Arizona. And we'll have George Kaloff addressing that. But the answer to that question also might raise an interesting question about what Republican might decide to run for Senate against Kirsten Cinema. 
if you have suggestions for any of that, we're open to that as well. Looks like Ruben Gallegos is definitely running uh, for the Senate as a Democrat now. No question based on his press release today. Okay, I am Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. A lot more fun coming up. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to bring back Eric Spencer. He also, like Brett Johnson, is a partner at the law firm of Snell and Wilmer, SWLaw.com. He is a uh, he is an election law expert as well, campaign finance, public policy, government relations. Used to be the state election director and, of course, in-house counsel for the Arizona Secretary of State. Unlike his partner, Brett Johnson, however, I think he's probably going to be rooting for another team in Philadelphia tomorrow when the Black Knights play the midshipmen. Eric, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much, Seth. Go Army, be Navy. Yeah, that's that's going to stick. That's going to be a problem with you and Brad, isn't it, a little bit? Depending on who wins, I suppose it'll be a problem for him. <laughs> yeah, regardless who wins. Uh, regardless of who wins, it should be a problem. I'm going to get in trouble here. Uh, we are evenly split with Army-Navy uh, guests and friends to this show. I think I think you can claim, uh, you can claim uh, Supreme Court Justice Bill Montgomery is rooting for the same team. Brett can probably claim Zudi Jasser is rooting for his team tomorrow. I think that's how it's going to roughly shake out with regular friends of this show, Eric. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Eric, um, all right. So with the Kirsten Cinema announcement, it raises a few interesting legal and practical questions about what it looks like to run as an independent for the Senate. Talk to me about what we need to think about and what we might know or want to know. Sure. Well, the first thing I looked for in Senator Sinema's op-ed this morning was whether or not she would still try to associate with the Democratic Party, yeah. notwithstanding changing her voter registration. Yeah. And I didn't see anything in there um, that she wouldn't be able to run in the Democratic primary even if she wanted to. Okay. There's a new law, a relatively new law, that requires you to be the same political party <clears throat> that you're seeking the nomination for. Okay. So, by definition, she will have to avoid the Democratic primary. Okay. The second consequence is she gets to go directly to the general election, and that's both the benefit and the burden. The benefit is she gets to skip the time and the cost of, of fighting a primary battle. But the cost is that it requires a tremendously uh, exponential number of signatures to get on the ballot. Yeah, that's we right. We talked a couple months ago yeah. about how candidates get on ballot, yeah. and it requires signature collection. And she'll have to get almost 10 times as many as she would if she was running as a Democrat. Yeah. And she doesn't get any additional time to do that. So it's a bit of an uphill climb. The... History in Arizona, I don't know. I was just thinking uh, I'm not an expert on it, but no one struck me as having prevailed as an independent in a really long time. Is the closest thing we have maybe the 86 governor's race with Bill Schultz? Maybe, 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 maybe something like that? Maybe. I was thinking 92 Senate, Evan Meekham ran for Senate. Ah, uh, yes. Right. Uh, right. And... Of course, uh, John McCain won that, but 
um, Evan Meekham got well over 100,000 votes. Yeah. And uh, McCain got 400,000 and change, and the Democrat got 300,000. So that's the most serious example I can think of in Arizona politics going back. Yeah, that's years. right. That would be more recent. Evan Meekham, of course, being in both those elections, prevailing in 86 uh, with the Bill Schultz candidacy, and then, of course, uh, making that effort again as an independent. Now, when you say that uh, that she won't have to deal with a primary, we're premising that on a notion that no other independent will be able to gather those that number of signatures, which I think is a, is a fair certainty, or is that not stated correctly by me? Well, I'd make a friendly amendment. Regardless of whether any other credible independent gathers the requisite number of signatures, there's no such thing as an independent primary. Ah, okay. All independents, by definition, go ah. directly to the general election ballot. Okay. Okay, so it's definitional. Now, I think, and I don't know if this this goes back, Eric, to your tenure when you were in the Secretary of State's office. Uh, and let me let me stipulate for the record when you were in the Secretary of State's office when it was run uh, by a different party than it is today. Uh, there are more non-affiliated registered voters here in Arizona than there are Democrats. Is that not still the case? I think it's the case. That is the case. So theoretically, she could make a claim, I mean, for her candidacy and fundraising apparatus, which will need to be ample, that she's not in as bad a position as people otherwise might think as an independent, right? Yeah, I think that's right. It seems to have an intuitive appeal to voters. Um, And frankly, in her signature gathering, she'll be able to exercise that in practice. I mean, unlike Democrats, Republicans. She has free range. She can get them from Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents, That's regardless right. of, of how many Independents there are as far as registration goes. That's she an interesting point I hadn't thought about, too, which would make it a little easier for her as well. But we don't even really know at this point whether that is her goal, right? We do, we, we, that, those tea leaves are not, are, not, are not revealing themselves just yet, are they? No, and that's the other thing I look for in the op-ed, which yeah. is, um, sort of uh, unambiguous commitment to run in 24, yeah. and I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. But we are seeing some rather unambiguous commitments from others who look like they want to. I, I saw a press release from Ruben Gallego that looks like, yeah, he's 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 looking to, to take a few swings here. Looks like it. That's how I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I also read the statement by Congressman Stanton that— Oh, uh, did he put one he, out, too? Okay. And, and it seemed to— scream uh, Senate candidacy to me as well. Yeah, okay. All right, so so the Democrat... You know, there's so many people on this show, Eric, I know you're a listener, you probably know this, but there's so many people who call into this show that often lament that the Democrats don't have the kinds of primaries or have tough primaries the way Republicans seem to do in this state. This this could be a little bit different in 2024 when it comes to the Senate now, huh? We might get We might actually get to watch a Democrat primary fight, huh? I see it as we finally get to see the Democrats air their dirty laundry in public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Republicans yeah. that have to do it for so often, and it gives, I think, the false impression that it's only the Republican yeah. Party that has uh, internal discord. But Democrats have just had the um, 
luxury yeah. of keeping a lid on it publicly, and, yeah. and now it's going to spill out into the public. Yeah, that was a benefit I didn't see until I started talking this out with you just now. Well, thanks for thanks for uh, alerting us to all this, Eric. Anything else we need to know or we need to say about this kind of interesting, more interesting thing than I initially gave it credit for, I guess? I guess the only thing I'd add is that there's a real premium for a Republican to start quickly. Yeah, that's because, what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, a voter's only allowed to sign one candidate's petition in the cycle. So right. every Republican that Senator Sinema uh, uh, secures over the next weeks or months is a signature not available for the Republican candidate. Yeah, and that's right. To the extent that a voter double dips and signs both, it's the one collected first that prevails. So we need to get some Republican candidates out there hitting the street to uh, not let that signature market be monopolized for too long. So while she can collect signatures from R's, D's, or non-affiliates, if someone does sign for an R, she doesn't get it. Or if they sign for a D, by the same token, she doesn't get it, I suppose, right? Well, she gets it if she gets it first. If she gets it first, first. right. If someone else, right, right, if she gets it first. Okay. First come, first serve uh, uh, operation, so... All right, Eric. Man, stay close. (laughs) Sounds like we might be in for something here. This will be fun. Thanks, Eric Spencer. Again, with Snell and Wilmer, SWLaw.com. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, good luck uh, watching watching what takes place in Philadelphia tomorrow. Thanks so much, Seth. Really appreciate it. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are concerned with the stock market's volatility and looking around for an investment, why refi has an investment opportunity in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that it is not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you can turn your month, where you, you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises, and you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. The interest is compounded daily. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10.25%. A due diligence approved firm, you can check out the folks at YRefi by going to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. For Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Always nice to hear from you. Oh, always great to listen to one of the finest radio shows on radio. I appreciate it. You're very kind. Hey, um, I know I'm a, a little late with this, but uh, I always in I was really enjoying your trivia section, and I didn't know if you were still up to this oh uh, yeah 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 i'm always up for political trivia you bet or or any (laughs) any trivia that i think is maybe in my wheelhouse maybe uh which is (laughs) which is a which is a few small which is a few uh shall we say distinct categories uh a little music um anything having to do with the trumpet a little politics a little sasquatch maybe okay go ahead doug yeah, yeah, I, I'm an, I, I'm sort of a minor expert in many things myself. Um, you probably know a lot about know, art US, trivia. I bet you know a lot about art. Yes, yes, we do. We could go on for many, many hours. Yep, yeah, that's a passion for sure. Yeah, my main passion actually. 
You know, but um, U.S. presidents are usually some of the most observed and scrutinized people on the face of the planet. Yep. Um, throughout history, actually, and um, all the way back to George Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there there was a time that a U.S. president disappeared disappeared off the face of the earth for a period of time. Who was it, and why? Uh, I think maybe I would give you three answers, and I'm gonna say Grover Cleveland. I'm gonna say Dwight Eisenhower, and I'm—I I guess I'll stick with those two. I was gonna say I was gonna say Woodrow Wilson, but not really because he didn't really no, disappear. Not really. Yeah, not really. Yeah, he I was, didn't so I was totally gonna go disappear. with Grover Cleveland because of a midnight uh, operation on the waters on a boat, uh, oh. and, and then I was gonna go with Eisenhower over a meeting that I know is. There was a meeting that took place that was under kind of some suspicious circumstances. But you, you am I in anywhere, anywhere in the realm of what yes, you're looking you for? Yes, you are. Okay. And I, I can't tell you how. Yes, you're totally correct. It was Grover Cleveland okay. who ended up having mouth surgery for tumors for mouth cancer. Yeah. And I, that just warms my heart. I, I just love that, that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> How many people could I talk to about that? That's awesome. Grover you know. Cleveland is, you know, he he marks a lot of distinctions. Obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. the first, maybe not the last uh, president to serve non consecutive terms, of course. And then, of right. course, there's uh, the story of the baby Ruth Candy Bar, right? Right. Yeah. Baby yeah. Ruth oh, Candy well, hey, Bar is not the question. Babe Ruth Candy Bar. People yeah. think it's the Babe Ruth no. Candy Bar. It is not. It is a Baby Ruth Candy Bar. And uh, the story goes, uh, for those that aren't quite sure what I'm referencing, the story goes that it was uh, inspired by uh, by his daughter, who was not uh, who was not born of the woman he was married to. Is that correct? I think I'm right about that. I think I'm right yep. about that. No, you are. You are. The uh, the you Republicans' are. theme song in those days was "Mama, Where's My Pa? Going to the White House? Ha ha ha!" I think that's it. Doug, I got a break. Do you have anything else you want to stay over, or you got to run? Nope i have I have more opinions. Yeah, okay, I'll you. take them. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take the commercial break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, Doug and Maricopa. Doug, um, this is a reverse trivia stumping on a topic I thought oh. I knew. A lot about. Um, we went out of our last segment with a Bobby Darren song. That's all you heard it probably as we were going out to break, and it had that yeah. it had that bright staccato trumpet line in there, and it just dawned on me on the break I should know who was in that trumpet section. Uh, this would be the, yeah, thank you. There it is. Uh, this would be the same album that gave you songs like Mac the Knife and Beyond the Sea, basically a tour of Bobby Darren's greatest hits. And if you had asked me who that lead trumpet player was, I wouldn't have known it. But you will when I tell you. No. I'll no, tell you. No, you will, no, you will no, know who it is. Even though I played trumpet, yeah. even though I played trumpet, yeah. my musical background was actually 10 years of classical piano. Okay. So uh, if you want to know Brahms' second symphony yeah. or anything like that, I'll be there. Okay. You know, but I'm a little... You, I look to you as the uh, I should have known it. I should have. I would not have yeah. guessed it. Yeah. 
And you will know this name, as everyone in the audience will know this name. Doc Severinsen is the answer. No, I was going to guess it as the only... Were you really? Doc oh, God Severson. bless you. Okay. All right. You would have stumped no, no, me on no. that. that. That is not... That is not from knowledge, but out of sheer desperation, I was going to toss it out of the Yeah, room, 1959. You know? He was yeah. lead trumpet on the Bobby Darin album, uh, uh, the, uh, That's All, with Mac the Knife and uh, Beyond the Sea. Yeah. And uh, anyway. I tell you, I used to always enjoy him on the Johnny Carson oh, show. Oh, he was great. The man was a master. Oh, he was a yeah, master. Yeah, he really was. Maybe he really, was. you know, he's, he's not my favorite trumpet player because I like Maynard so much, but he is probably... In his generation, the best trumpet. Well, he's still alive, actually. I, I, he doesn't have his chops mm-hmm. anymore, but he is probably technically the best trumpet player of his generation. Flawless perfection yeah. was his thing. Oh. Yeah, flawless perfection. Yeah. Hey, anyway. anybody? I my, my theory is that uh, generally speaking, when you see some of the great ones, when they can double and triple tongue and flip to it in just a second and make it look totally effortless. You you know I just kudos and hats off to them. Yeah, it's They're tough. wonderful. It's tough. <laughs> All right, we had so much fun. Yeah. We only have a moment or two, but I will let you call back if you want because I got to take a top of the hour break here, Doug. Nope. Uh, uh, you want to call back in okay. about a half hour? We'll do. Call we'll in do. a half hour because I got George Kaloff coming up. Uh, I believe George Kaloff and I are going to talk a little politics, a little bit uh, of what he sees in uh, the cinema announcement and its uh, aftermath or in its uh, in its wake. Uh, yeah, but please call back. And room for more as well, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.